You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fan Sided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, review us on iTunes, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Monday, and the Green Bay Packers had family night on Saturday. And they open the preseason on Thursday against the Tennessee Titans, which means there is a lot to get to today. We're going we're gonna to dive mostly into what happened at family night, and we'll obviously talk about the big injury to David Bakhtiari, and then the impressions on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And then tomorrow, Jason Hershorn is going to join the show, little Aaron Rodgers contract talk. We'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into some of the names that have stood out in training camp as we move through, and we'll get deep. This is the time of year. There's a lot of names to keep track of, and starting Thursday, there's going to be some breakout players. There are going to be some guys who start to make a name for themselves, who start to separate, and we're going to talk about some of those players today, but let's start with the injury to David Bakhtiari because that was a scary it was less than 24 hours. It was about 12 hours. Um, a Saturday night, David Bakhtiari in, in a drill. Remember, this is practice. Family night was a practice, even though there was some 11 on 11. It was really just practice. And they were doing some 11 on 11, and Bakhtiari in pass protection does something that happens to offensive linemen with, with relative frequency. He, he steps and loses his balance a little bit, and rolls his ankle. And there was a lot of panic in Packer Nation. And I'm sure within the organization temporarily because nothing is more important than protecting Aaron Rodgers. Brian Bulaga is cleared. He's gonna he's practicing in a limited fashion. He's probably going to get some time full-on practices in the next week or two here. And getting him back would have been blunted, the impact would have been blunted if they also had lost David Bakhtiari to a more serious injury. Now, the, the the initial report, and there were reports Saturday night that said, you know, look, it doesn't it doesn't seem serious, but I don't want to say anything until we know for sure. Lane Taylor said, look, it's probably not a big deal, but I, I can't be sure. And then the early reports so far, and we may know more by the time you listen to this, is it's an ankle sprain. It's nothing more. He should be back. It doesn't put him in jeopardy for week one. These sorts of bumps and bruises happen. Luckily, it was not more serious. If the Green Bay Packers have David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga on the offensive line for the most of the season, 14, 15, 16 games, this offense is going to be really, really, really good, assuming number 12 is under center. Now let's let's get to some of the other things that we saw Saturday night. I know this was uh, the the Packer Nation's most important early opportunity to see these guys, and it is really important, I think, for 
for fans. It's certainly important for me to use my eyes. And I know that seems that seems axiomatic, right? But a lot of times, all we get is reports. I'm not at practice day to day. So I rely on reports and video, and I rely on what the coaches say. And then ultimately, when we get to the games, that is when you really start making hard and fast observations. So if you just watched the Twitter stream last night because there was no live stream, I saw a couple tweets about the Deshaun Kaiser touchdown run. And we're going to get to the defense in a second, but this is just to prove my point here. More than one tweet from, from journalists I respect framed that as Deshaun Kaiser outran Oren Burks to the sideline to score a touchdown. That is definitively not what happened. Oren Burks would have made that play in an NFL game, was there to make it. Deshaun Kaiser has a red jersey on. He doesn't hit him because you're, you can't hit him. And Kaiser continues into the end zone and acts like he scored. He didn't and wouldn't have. And it was actually an impressive play by Burks. But if you had just listened to one or two tweets from reporters that you should otherwise trust, I think, you would have misinterpreted what had happened. And so for you to see these these players, you now get to make observations. And I think what we saw, and I want to speak specifically about the receivers, is we saw a group of receivers that I think we can say it's time to just, there, there is no more discussion about who the third receiver on this team is. It's Geronimo Allison. He is going to be the third receiver, and he might not be third in targets. He probably won't be. If Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb are healthy and Jimmy Graham is healthy, those are going to be the top three target getters. But Geronimo Allison, on the depth chart, is going to be the third receiver. We saw some flashes of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The talent is evident. But there were a couple plays he couldn't make, couldn't get to the ball, he had some drops, a couple of two or two or three bad drops. I mean, the last play of the practice was a pseudo Hail Mary. And Quentin Rollins, by the way, made an atrocious play on the ball to get wildly out of position. All Valdez Scantling had to do was basically let the ball come into his hands and he dropped it. Another one on a deep ball down the sideline just dropped. Had gotten behind the defender, dropped it. His ability to make plays on the ball, his hands are inconsistent. He can be a big play threat, but this is going to be, it's somewhat appropriate that he is the Jeff Janis number 83 because he is physically tantalizing, but inconsistent. And he's a project. Now we saw Jamon Moore had the play of the night. Went up over Josh Hawkins to, to secure a touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone. That was a terrific play. But other than that, he had a couple drops, and although he is is a, a physically gifted player, all of these young receivers are, I think it's going to take him some time. I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company today. The guy who really caught my attention, and it wasn't for any splash play, it wasn't speed down the sideline, no. Equinemius St. Brown caught everything, everything. And they weren't all hard plays, but there, there's already been, um, you know, there's been discussion about his route running. 
Mike McCarthy, I believe it was, uh, praised his route running. He runs sharp routes. He's a big, physically imposing receiver at, at 6'5", 215. But he can make an impact because he can have reliable hands. And and the, the only play that, that was a misconnection, really, in the, in the team portion was on a throw that Aaron Rodgers should have made. Would have been a touchdown just past the outstretched arms of EQ, who had destroyed Quentin Rollins. I don't know at what point we're gonna we're gonna quit pretending like Quentin Rollins is a thing. He's not. And, and just two other little observations that I wanted to make. I guess three. Devontae Adams is a monster. He is a monster, and I don't know that that he's you're gonna call him a top five receiver this year. I said top eight, top ten, somewhere in there, in a preseason piece that I wrote. But he could produce. Like if you're a fantasy player, he could be the number three fantasy receiver in the league this year. He could catch 90 balls, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, that kind of thing. He's going to have a monster season. He looks bigger. He's just as as sharp as a route runner as he's ever been. And, and this team is going to be really dangerous offensively. I think we saw, and this is going to be a topic, I think, for another day, but we saw a lot of spread. A lot of four wide receiver sets. We didn't see a lot of the fullback, at least not when Rodgers was in there. They played a little bit more traditionally with some of the backup quarterbacks, but when Rodgers was in there, it was three receivers and Jimmy Graham, or it was four receivers and Jimmy Graham. There there were a lot of different spread out formations, and then there was one play on a third down. They had Ty Montgomery in the backfield. Otherwise, everyone else split out, and they just ran a little a little Texas route. And if if the Packers get that matchup on third down, Ty Montgomery against a linebacker, it's it's a first down every time. You can't cover him with a linebacker and probably not even with a safety. So the matchups here, when this offense is healthy, they're going to be incredible to watch. And just the last little nugget here, Tim Boyle, he's going to make the practice squad. I really think he is. Played three years at UConn, finished his career at Eastern Kentucky. Not exactly the highest pedigree guy, of course, undrafted free agent, but he's got a big arm. He certainly looks the part with his size, and we'll see in the games exactly what he's got. And he'll probably get an extended look against the Titans, might get an entire quarter. I expect Hunley and Kaiser to get most of the first half and into the third quarter because Rodgers probably won't play. And then Boyle probably get the entire fourth quarter, and we'll see him with some of these rookies. And unlike in years past, when you've got you know uh, Taysom Hill or Graham Harrell or Vince Young or these guys out there who can't play, it looks like Boyle has a shot to stick on the practice squad at the very least, and and could be enticing enough to make a roster somewhere else. We'll see. And speaking of sticking, if you want to stick to your workout schedule, I understand it's hard. It's easy to make excuses of why you can't get to the gym. You're busy. You need the motivation of a trainer or a group class, and that costs money, extra money. Gyms are expensive enough. Well, Nordic Track has a series of training equipment to give you amazing workouts in the convenience of your own home. They have treadmills, exercise bikes, incline trainers, and strength trainers available for you. This is not Feel the heat of Nordic track from the 90s. You can still feel the heat, but it is not your 
older brother's Nordic track, probably maybe your father's. It was my dad's Nordic track back in the day. We had one in, in my house and I used it. You can join high energy streaming workouts any time of the day without stepping out the door. Join streamed workouts in both studios and exotic destinations around the world. And the workouts are led by the world's top personal trainers to ensure you meet your fitness goals. Special offer for Locked On Packers listeners. Get $75 off your Nordic Track purchase by visiting nordictrack.com slash locked on and use the offer code locked on. Again, that's nordictrack.com slash locked Locked on and use the offer code locked on during checkout to save $75 off your purchase. If the play of Family Night was the Jamon Moore touchdown, then the player of Family Night was Montrevious Adams. And it is harder to notice a defensive player in these kinds of situations simply because you're not really tackling and especially defensive linemen getting after the quarterback, you don't know. Because you can't hit him. And just getting into the backfield is not enough. You have to finish. And we still don't know if he can do that. Adams was not good as a rookie. And he was dealing with injuries. And I understand that. But he was not good. And he looks really good. And has looked good in practice. And on family night, I mean, you couldn't block him. He probably had three, if, if not sacks, near sacks, pressures for sure, hurries, whatever you want to call them in practice, but he had the quarterback dead to rights a number of times because he just beat the guard cold. And some of them were against backups, but one was against Justin McCray, who's going to start for the Packers at right guard. He's got to continue it. He's got to, he's got to transfer it to the game. But we saw Dean Lowry make some, make some plays in practice and in the preseason last year, and he had a strong 2017 campaign. If Green Bay gets improvement from Adams and they have a five-man defensive front with Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Muhammad Wilkerson, Dean Lowry, and Montrevious Adams in a year two leap, this defensive front could be monster. And it's just one more reason to, number one, not worry about the pass rush on the outside. And we're going to get to that in a second. But It's another reason not to worry about Oren Burks playing next to Blake Martinez. This was our first extended look at Burks. And really, it was his first big chance, because the pads are on, to show the coaches what he has in in replacing Jake Ryan. His speed stands out. His ability to run. That Kaiser play I told you about, he's about 10 or 15 yards away from the ball when Kaiser breaks the pocket, when he realizes Kaiser is going to take off, he flies to the football, flies. And he closes down the space. He gets in a position to make the play and then doesn't because you can't. But I saw that and I went, whoa, that is speed showing up. Now it's hard to tell, obviously no all 22. So you only get to really see what's happening on the on the offensive and defensive lines and then the quarterback and then anything that happens after the play. It's hard to tell exactly what's happening in coverage because there's no all 22 of family night. I, you know, they couldn't even get a live stream. So there's definitely not going to be any all 22. But I, I think the, the early returns on this are going to be good. I think there's going to be ups and downs. 
As Packers fans, you have to be understanding of that. You have to be aware of that. I think you have to set your expectations at a reasonable place. The thing that he is really good at is in coverage and and in space. And there's going to be times when he looks lost because he's a rookie. Now he is also, and this is not something that I really brought up in discussions about his ability to replace Jake Ryan, Burks is a worker. An incredibly young man, incredibly smart. He is was a, a leader at Vanderbilt, not just on the football team, on campus. This is a guy who is going to give everything he has and has a track record of succeeding doing it in, in replacing Jake Ryan. I think it is, it is actually going to end up being a good outcome. Now, speaking of pass rush, I want to speak first about Reggie Gilbert because he flew off the edge a couple times, created some pressure. Clay Matthews got a sack. We didn't see Nick Perry, but Reggie Gilbert has had a really strong camp and the coaches really like him. He finished strong last year as well in some limited opportunities. Was actually on a personnel basis their most effective pass rusher. He doesn't have to be Reggie White. He doesn't have to be 2010 Clay Matthews. He just has to be solid. You know what he has to be? He has to be like 2014 Dayton Jones. Make some plays, be a rotational outside linebacker, and make sure that that guys after Clay Matthews and Nick Perry can make an impact. They just need one and a half guys past them, assuming those guys are healthy. And then, and then you know, any... Calculations made once injuries hit are, you know, subject to change. But what is going to make that all easier is Mike Patton has so clearly installed a defense that Aaron Rodgers has not yet figured out. Because there's free rushers coming and he's not changing the plays at the line and he's not he's not making protection calls and he's not doing as much as he would normally do on a given play. But Green Bay, defensively, schemed all sorts of guys free against all these quarterbacks. Slot blitzes, linebackers coming free, stunts, twists, you know, loading gaps and who's coming and who's not and making offensive linemen make decisions. This is going to be a theme. And, and Aaron Rodgers talked about it last week, scheming up free rushers. And he didn't go so far as to say Dom Capers couldn't do it, but he implied it. He basically, he, he said, that's not something we've had around here in a while. And he, he I had to stop himself because he started to say, I don't want to say. And he, he basically was, was hedging against throwing Dom Capers under the bus, but he was throwing Dom Capers under the bus. And perhaps deservedly so. This defense... I have I have made this case a number of times over the last few months. I am less worried about an impact pass rusher, in part because I still think Clay Matthews has juice. And if Nick Perry comes back, they have enough. Muhammad Wilkerson's going to play a little bit more on the edge, which I like. But Mike Patton is good enough at scheming guys free that they don't need elite level. They don't need Jadavion Clowney on the outside. They don't need Von Miller. The Jets never had those guys. Calvin Pace had some really nice sack seasons. Bart Scott as an inside linebacker had some really nice sack seasons. 
if you look at at what the the Cardinals did under Todd Bowles, they were tremendous at scheming sacks, at scheming free rushers. In fact, those last two years Todd Bowles was in Arizona, they led the league in free rushers. They didn't have a single edge rusher worth talking about in that time. Not really. And yet they were able to create pressure, able to get sacks. Now it helped to have Calais Campbell, who could occupy blockers and and create space for those players. But Green Bay has three guys. I I don't know that any of them are are Calais Campbell level talents at this point. But Daniels, Clark, and Wilkerson, they're going to occupy blocks. It's going to be tough because you can't double team everyone. I mean, there were times last year when Daniels and Clark, just the two of them would occupy four linemen. And that makes Blake Martinez's life easier. That makes Oren Burke's life easier. Well, it also makes Clay Matthews and Nick Perry's life easier. Or Vince Beagle if he's on the field. Or Kyler Fackrell or Reggie Gilbert. And so if Reggie Gilbert is already able to beat offensive tackles, then on the plays where, where Patton doesn't have something creative schemed up, they, they're able to get home. The most effective defenses are the ones who are able to create pressure without having to bring extra guys. Now, ideally, you'd get pressure without bringing extra guys, but then when you did bring extra men, you created pressure. The Packers, over the last few years with Dom Capers, had one of the highest blitz rates in football and yet didn't have one of the higher pressure rates in football. And that's a problem. They got sacks, but not pressures. You need to be consistently disruptive. You need to give the quarterback something something to think about, something to hesitate, disguise, different looks, different calls, different matchups, so that he constantly has to be mentally stressed. Playing quarterback is the hardest thing to do in sports. It is the most mentally taxing thing to do in sports. And so the more you make that quarterback think, the more exhausted they are at the end of the day. It's funny, on uh, the golf telecast on Sunday, they were talking about the hours and hours of preparation and work that goes into a golf tournament. The practice, the putts, the shots on the range, and yet you play a four-hour round, you do an hour or so of prep, maybe two hours of prep before the round, and yet if you just recorded the time, the total amount of time you spent hitting golf shots, it's like three minutes. The reason it's so physically taxing on your body is in part because it's so mentally taxing. And golfers don't have to spend the entire game worrying about 300-pound men coming to try and kill them. Quarterbacks do. And they don't just have one of those guys. They have 11 of those guys coming and trying to put them in the ground. That is mentally taxing. And so the harder you make them think, the harder you make them work, the more tired you make them. At the end of the game, you want the quarterback to be mentally and physically exhausted because maybe those decisions at the end of the game are just a little slower or they're just a little fuzzier. They're just a little less considered. We got an early taste of what this defense has a chance to look like. It's going to look very different once week one starts. They're going to play pretty vanilla in the preseason. And yet, even now, the vanilla version of Pettin's defense is already more exotic, more creative, and frankly, more effective 
than what we saw the last six years or so under Dom Capers. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with Jason Hershorn from Acme Packing Company and NFL.com, my friend and colleague. And we'll have that conversation about Aaron Rodgers' contract. I'll, I'll ask him about Jake Kummerow, some players that he's had his eye on, some guys he likes, and, and some roster questions because I think it's already fair to start asking, how is Green Bay going to make room on its roster for all these guys? There's a lot of players fighting for very few spots so we'll get into that a little bit more. Remember, the augmented schedule this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. The game is Thursday. So we'll have no show on Thursday, but then we'll have, because do we need to preview the Titans? Do we need to preview the first preseason game? We're not going to see Rodgers, probably no Matthews, probably no Devontae Adams, no David Bakhtiari. Is Marcus Mariota even going to play? Maybe he gets a series or two. I think it'll be more fun on Wednesday to discuss the players who need to make an impact, the players on the roster bubble, guys who are fighting for spots. This corner battle is going to be great all preseason. This receiver battle is going to be great all preseason. And I think those are the those are the really big ones. And then backup quarterback. We're going to get our first look at the Deshaun Kaiser-Brett Hundley debate. And it's going to be fun. Remember to check us out on iTunes, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, help spread the word about the show, post, we're, we're on Facebook, so if you like a podcast, if, if you thought one was particularly good, share it, let your friends see it, like the Locked on Packers show on Facebook, give us a rating there, rate us on iTunes, leave your name and Twitter handle in that review and you'll be entered to win our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. I want to give that to a Locked on Packers listener, so we need more reviews. You can also follow me on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Keep it locked at Acme Packing Company all week, all preseason, all season. A ton of great content there. More at Fansided. Going to be writing about fantasy football there this season. Maybe a gambling column. Working on it. We'll see. And some other exciting things in the works that, that I can't wait to tell you about. So we'll be back tomorrow. Jason Hirschhorn will be on the show. Hopefully you'll be with us to stay locked on Packers.